Hey, everybody. Y'all doing good? You full of joy and got the victory? Well, a few of you do. How about the rest of you? You full of joy and you got the victory? Come on, glory to God. You know, we were singing that song, and I was thinking about, you know, that uh, talking about those bones, you know, how they threw that dead guy in uh, the prophet's uh, um, grave, and the guy came to life. And I, I just thought about how, you know, when the Apostle Paul was talking about going to heaven and seeing things, and, you know, he, he said that the things that he saw, it wasn't even lawful, you know, to speak about. I mean, the spectacular nature of what it is that he had witnessed was, you could say, beyond words. And the reality is, is that what you and I are awaiting is beyond words. It is, it is going, I mean, when we see the splendor of our God and what it is that he's doing, think about all these people coming up out of the grave. Now, if that don't get you charged up, I don't know what will. But I'm telling you, you talk about a spectacular kind of thing that is beyond expression. Words can't even describe what it is that's going to happen when Jesus returns. And I tell you what, praise God, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. Amen? So my whole life, our lives, revolves around preparing, everybody say preparing, preparing for his coming. Amen? It's like uh, Reverend Joe Morris said, you know, you don't want to be, you want to be clothed. You want to be ready. You know, you want to be prepared for his coming. You don't want to be standing there in your speedo. Some of you really don't want to be standing there in a speedo. But anyway, my point is, is that we have so much to look forward to and so much, praise God, to live for. And, uh, you know, I'm telling you, praise God, I mean, while the rest of the world is, you know, circling the drain, as it were, thank God we can be rejoicing because of what it is that God's doing in our lives. But not only that, thank God we can rescue some of those. Everybody say rescue. rescue. Yeah, we can rescue some of those while we're at it, huh? So that they too can experience the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So good to see all of you this morning. Glad that you're here. We're especially uh, glad to be able to have one of the missionaries that we've supported for over 30 years, Jerry and Barb Manderfield. Why don't you give them a great big hand? They're going to share with you this morning a little bit about what's going on. These two, when they were really young, uh, had four kids, and they decided to pack everything up and move to Columbia. It was kind of like... Uh, well, Abraham. The Bible says that he went out not knowing where he was going. Hallelujah. Or at least not knowing what to expect. So for over these 30 years now, they've been down there impacting that world for Jesus Christ. They've got a Bible school and some different things that they're doing now, and uh, they'll share some of those things with you. But I tell you what, praise God, they've cut a wide swath for the kingdom of God where it is that they're at. And so we're excited about them being with us here this morning. You're going to be delighted in Jerry's uh, personality. When I was in Columbia, we went down there one time. It was the first time he did one of those, you know, those paraglide things, you know, where you run off a cliff and hope everything works out right. I was with a couple other guys. The other guy, he was pretty nervous about the whole deal. So he wanted the best 
instructor of everybody that was there. But because I was the biggest, the best instructor was with me. So I was glad. Hallelujah. So he screamed like a girl, and <laughs> off the cliff we went, and it was a pretty cool deal. So anyway, that's what you can do when you go to Columbia. They live in Medellin. It's a beautiful city. I don't know how many millions of people live in that, four million. I mean, uh, we were at their place one time. We were looking out in the evening, and it sits kind of in an old uh, volcano. Isn't that right? I mean, there are mountains all around. Uh, yeah, whatever. And I tell you what, it's one of the most beautiful cities on the planet. But just like every other place, it needs Jesus. Huh? And so uh, anyway, we had the privilege of being down there and speaking in the school and doing some things. So it was great. Praise God. Listen, this morning, <clears throat> we're going to uh, receive our morning offering. I want to share a verse of scripture with you. How many of you believe, praise God, that God wants to bless your life? Huh? The Bible says, now, the thing is, everybody agrees, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, some people, maybe they're not quite sure. But anyway, we're working on that. But I tell you, God wants to bless your life. But God blesses us on the basis of divine principle and practice in the word of God. And the Bible says that a faithful man, everybody say a faithful man. A faithful man or a woman will abound, everybody say abound. Abound with blessing. Glory to God. How many of you believe that this morning? But, but that's the condition that we have to be faithful. And the reason I use this scripture this morning, it's not just about our giving and, and money, but we need to be faithful to God in every aspect of our lives. Huh? I mean, you know, in other words, God is first place. And why that's important is, is the Bible says that, you know, uh, in the last days, uh, there'll be those that will depart from the faith. Everybody say, I'm not going to be one of them. Say that again. You know, part of the, part of the thing that helps you, uh, you know, drive a stake in the ground is just to simply declare, that ain't me. Hallelujah. I'm not being one of them. Praise God. But I will have what it is that God wants for me in my life because I've chosen to be a follower of him. So when we're faithful to God... You know, and, and, and again, that's serving in the kingdom of God, serving within the body of Christ, serving within the local church, however you want to define that, being engaged, praise God, not, not allowing yourself to be carried away or taken away. You know, say, no, 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 this is my first love, and his name is Jesus, and I'm going to follow him, and I'm going to do his will, and praise God, the blessing of God is going to flow. Amen? How many of you believe that? Well, so a faithful man will abound with blessings. But I want to read a verse of scripture to you um, about putting God first. Would that be all right with you? I mean, after all, I'm a pastor, and so I get to do what I want, right? Sort of, anyway. At least, I think. In the book of Haggai, I want to share this, this story with you. It's very interesting. Two chapters. It's a little, you know, minor prophet back there in the weeds someplace in your Bibles where the pages are stuck together, uh, Haggai, okay? And the Bible says in uh, chapter 1, verse 1, in the second year of, I, I guess you, you pronounce this, I always pronounced it Darius, but I guess it's actually Darius, Darius, Darius. It's a long I, okay? Do you care? Not so much. Well, good, then I can say Darius because, you know. Anyway, in the second year of his reign, 
in the sixth month of that rain on the first day of that month. You know, God's pretty specific about things, huh? The Bible says that the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, who at the time was governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. So the word of the Lord came to Haggai, and he, as the delivery boy, goes to the governor and the high priest and makes this declaration in verse 2. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, This people say, It's not time. The time is not come. <laughs> the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your paneled houses, and this house lays waste? Now, what's he talking about here? He's saying, you know, he, he's, he's, the word of the Lord is coming to these people, and, and he's saying to them, the people say, well, you know, it's, it's not really time to do this thing for God. In other words, he's not really the first and most important thing that we need to be tending to. We got our own lives here going on, and we got this, and we got that, and we got the other thing, and, you know, so whatever. And then he, <clears throat> so then he goes on then to explain in this verse, he said, this is what the people are saying, but he says, is it time for you, O you, to dwell in your paneled houses while the house lays waste? So therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. In other words, you think about what's going on in your life. He said, you've sown much, you bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but, but are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but there's none that is warm. And he that earns wages, earns wages to put them into a bag with holes in it. You know, there are people all over. I mean, I'm talking about Christians. You know, they don't ever have enough. You know, they're always trying to figure out why in the world, you know, we're short this, we got that, you know, whatever. Is it possible maybe that we're not putting first things first? I'm just asking the question. You know, essentially that's what the prophet was saying is, is that you put yourself first instead of God first. So you're out there pounding away trying to get this all to work and whatever, and it's not working. So he just says, consider what's going on in your life. Then he goes on to say in verse 7, uh, the, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And then he asked them to go up to the mountain and build the house and do this thing and so on and so forth. For the sake of time, we'll drop down into the second chapter because that's exactly what they did. When you get your own opportunity, you can read the whole story. But, but they did turn and start doing what needed to be done. Now let's drop down to the second chapter in verse uh, 14. And uh, <clears throat> let's see. It says, uh, then answered Haggai and said, so is the people, and so is this nation before me, says the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, um, and that which they offer, uh, there is, he said unclean, but uh, verse 15, and now I pray you, consider from this day forward or upward, Okay, so now, and, and for the sake of knowing this, this was about a three-month period. 
So what happened was, is on this certain day and this month and this and that and the other, you know, God speaks to him. And then almost four months later, actually in the ninth month and the 24th day, Spirit of God comes on the prophet and he comes back and he's saying this to them. And uh, he says this, he says, I pray you consider from this day upward and from, uh, uh, from before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord. Since those days were when one came to an heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. And then one came to the... Uh, press fat, it says, to draw out 50 vessels out of the press, but there were just 20. In other words, he's saying before this, everyone was doing, you know, they'd be looking for this, but they'd end up with so much less. You with me? So he said, I want you to mark this day. He said, I, I smote you with blasting, mildew, and hail, and all of this, again, because they wouldn't put him first. Uh, yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Consider now, from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the fountain of the Lord's temple, or the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. And then he says this, is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree that, that has not brought forth, but from this day you or I will bless you. Now this is a long thing that I've talked about, but it's important for us to understand. You know, the, the prophet came and said, you're not, you're not putting me first, you know. And so he said, you need to consider your ways. You're doing all this stuff and you're banging around, you know, and, and you're trying to make a way and things like that. He says, consider your ways. So they, they turned everything around. They started, you said, they said, you know what, let's get after it and get this thing done. Let's put God first. Let's put what, what it is that we're supposed to be doing in the building of the kingdom of God. In this story, it was about the temple, but building the kingdom of God. And when they did that, then about three and a half, almost four months later, the Spirit of God came back on Haggai and he said, because you've done this, turn this around, did this from the first rock or stone that of the, uh, the foundation of the temple that was laid, he said, because of that, I will bless you. Now, how many of you earlier said, when I asked the question, do you want to be blessed? Huh? Yeah. We all, you know, said, yeah, well, a faithful man and woman will be blessed, praise God. So I want you to be faithful this morning. Would that be all right with you? Now, I'm not asking you to do anything that's outside the boundaries of, you know, um, you know whatever it is you have within your means, but I tell you what, we ought to obey God. My wife and I, when we were first married, young age, we made a decision we were going to tithe, and we didn't have a lot of money, you know, but whatever it is that we had, that's what we did. You know, well, I, I say it all the time. I made $406 a month when I was at Rama. So the tithe on $406 is 41 bucks. Well, when you only get 400 and you got to give 41 of it to the Lord, guess what? That can be a little painful. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I can't tell you how easy it was for me to say, mm, boy, I could sure use that $40. Mind the right house? Huh? But no, 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 no. 
Because the devil would love for you to say, well, you know, you can build the Lord's house later. You better take care of your own stuff here, you know, and whatever. We didn't do that. I said, we didn't do that. We gave God the money. And what that did is it opened the windows of heaven. Praise God. It rebuked the devourer for our sake so that when we're planting stuff in the field, we're getting a return. Are you listening to me? Now, you know, a lot of folk, they don't believe that, and that's all right. I mean, well, it's not all right, but that's their prerogative. I just believe, praise God, the Bible says that we're to bring our tithes into the storehouse, and he said, prove me with it. Hallelujah. You know, I've dared people to start tithing, and I said, if, you don't get, if your life isn't better in six months, I'll give you your money back. Nobody's ever taken me up on that, so it must have turned out all right. Huh? Hallelujah. So as we give today, this is our regular church offering that we're receiving. Then we're going to have a special offering. You say, oh, my God. Pastor, you're doing what? Oh, yeah. We're going to take up two offerings. We're just going to give the devil a super large black eye. Amen. Hallelujah. God is going to rebuke the devourer for our sake. And again, from the first stone that gets laid in the foundation, he said, I'm going to bless you. Praise God. You know it takes faith to obey God, but I'll tell you this much, there's a blessing in it. Can you say amen? So the ushers are coming. Yes, they are. There they go. They have an envelope in their hand. If you're giving cash, want a receipt for your giving. You can also text to give with the information that's up on the uh, screens. You can also give online if you want to. If you go to myfc.info, um, you'll be able to use that as a means to get to the place where you can give. And then if you're making out a check... You can make it out to Fellowship Church, and I believe you'll be blessed. How many of you want to get blessed? Huh? Well, the Bible says, praise God for us to be faithful. So, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. You know, if we had time, I'd have uh, Doug share a testimony about, when did you get saved? 11 years ago? 12? He came to one of our Raising the Bar uh, uh, meetings and gave his heart to the Lord. And uh, since then, I tell you what, God's changed him and everything about him. And everybody say, thank God. Thank God. Yeah, we're really glad for that. Amen. <laughs> but I tell you what, what a testimony. He just wrote, the reason I say that is he just recently wrote us a letter and uh, talked about the goodness of God in his life. Not just in his life, but in his family and his kids and everybody else. I tell you what, it pays to obey God. It pays to serve God. It pays to live for God. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Why live for the devil? He, you know, he promises everything and gives you nothing. You know? But thank God God is faithful. And if we're faithful to him, he'll be faithful to us. So anyway, let's hold our offering up toward heaven. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to give into the kingdom of God. As we sow our seed today, Father God, we know that it's good ground, and we know that there'll be a good harvest. So we rejoice, Father, in your blessing. I thank you, Father, for rebuking the devourer for their sake, commanding your blessing upon their storehouses. And I thank you, Lord, that everything they set their hands to, glory to God, praise God, it will prosper. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, we've got a few announcements. If you would just watch the screens uh, with us here. Good morning. Welcome to Fellowship Church. It's great to have you here. If you're visiting, we would love to meet you after the service in the hospitality room. Or you can throw a visitor's card in the offering bucket and we'll be in touch. The Waymakers Co-op kickoff meeting was a great success. Everyone had a blast. 
If you'd like to join us and you're homeschooling kids aged K through 8, then we meet here at the church from 9 to about noon every week. You can get more information on myfc.info. I'm here at a very special location, the Fall Family Fun Day table. Not much to see apart from these lovely decorations by Gala. There'll be some clipboards up here where you can sign up to be a volunteer. It does take quite a lot of uh, people to make this a successful day, so if you can give up your time, that'll be muchly appreciated. Also down here, we've got a trash can. I can't be bothered moving the camera to show you, but use your imagination, okay? Throw as much candy in there as you possibly can, and we're gonna make this a sugary, fantastic day. Oh, one last thing here. We're gonna do something a little different this year. You're gonna be able to dress up and come to church in your outfit. So you can come as whatever you want. Um, you can come as a, a builder, um, a, a wise man, um, or, or even a barbarian. Um, either way, it's a great opportunity to invite your friends and family and we look forward to seeing you in your awesome outfit. Aaron, absolutely not. You're not wearing that. But you said we, you said we could wear whatever we want. I don't see what the problem is. Praise God. Amen. Well, let's give Aaron and my son a big old round of applause on that one. Did you notice that my son did better in the character of the barbarian than any of the rest of them? <laughs> kind of likes that anyway. Amen. Well, listen, um, it's such a delight to be able to introduce this couple to you this morning. Um, they, like I said, I've told you a lot about their life and what it is that they've been doing uh, in Columbia, and they can tell it better than I can. But I would like for you, if you would, please, just to give them a very warm fellowship church welcome as they come this morning. Praise God. Amen. Pastor, love you too. It is such a joy to be here. What a beautiful time of worship and the word, and we're just so happy to be back here. It's been a while. When we were here the last time, there wasn't a high school next to you. <laughs> we're going, is this the right church? <laughs> but we came inside, and it was. And so we're just really, really pleased to be here. This, I'm Barbara. This is Jerry Manderfield, if you don't know us. And we, we're going to share a message today, and it's called... A time to be rebellious. <laughs> and so it's going to be a little bit different. And I love the, what you've been sharing, Pastor, and talking about waiting for the Lord, being prepared. And when you were sharing that, I don't know why, I had this little vision of the, the world is going one direction. But us, as the body of Christ, we kind of have to hold on to our strong tower, which is Jesus, and hold on tight because there's winds that are blowing that want to blow us off course. But it's time to be strong, strong in the Lord. And, and it's not of our own strength. Our strength comes from Him. And so we're going to share a little bit. Um, we have a couple of videos we want to show. Just, so, just to give you a little introduction to us, not for us, but for him. <laughs> and the first video is going to be about a school that we started. It's, uh, we have a preschool through, we go through sixth grade now. The school we started in January of 2020. Can you imagine that? And in March of 2020, we had to go all virtual, so it was quite a shock to be started that way. We started with about 30 families, and we ended up with 130 families. 
through the pandemic, we grew because the people needed a strong Christian school because um, Columbia is following the pattern of the rest of the world and trying to be progressive. They call it progressive. And the Christian families are needing something that they can raise their children up in the word of God. And so that's, we've been here for that. And then we also, then the second video is going to be about our Christian leadership school. We call it Christian leadership. It's a Bible school. We teach the word of God, but we teach the young people to be leaders and help them go through healing so that they can really fulfill their call in the Lord. And so what we do is, we, what we say, we don't just, um, what, how do we say, we don't just develop leaders. That's who we are. We try to develop the younger generation up so that they can go to the nations and be leaders. And so, do you want to say something before the videos? Jimmy, go for it. <laughs> this is the school. That's the preschool. And this was Valentine's Day last year. And a church in Iowa donated Bibles. And so we gave out Bibles to all our to all the families, to all the children. Most of the families are Christian, but we have Catholics, we have non-Christian because they need, they want the stability of a Christian school, what we have to offer. We're all masked all the time by the Colombian law. And this is the primary. The Bibles are in English because our school is half in English and half in Spanish. This is a missionary teacher we had that worked with us. The building behind is our primary building. show the other one too. This is just, uh, they always say a thousand uh, words is like a thousand pictures. A picture is worth a, a thousand words. like word. a thousand words. <laughs> well, these are a thousand pictures to say something. <laughs> Our Bible school, we focus a lot on missions, going to the nations, and in worship. Sharing the word of God wherever we go. And at the Bible school, we've had uh, over a thousand graduates. Kids have come from over 25 countries. And they're not just going to be missionaries or pastors. They're, they come to be good business people, to get freed up from their past, from the homosexual confusion, uh, abuse, a lot of that. We're blessed to have events in the stadiums, evangelistic events. We had one sponsored by the city government to bring peace. 
but we shared the word of God because that's our source of peace. <laughs> and we had 20,000 people say the prayer of salvation at that event. That's just a little bit of what goes on down there. And I just wanted to, um, before we left, like Pastor was saying, uh, we, were, we were in Winterset pastoring, and, um, and our pastor felt it was God, although no one else did, but he did. And he encouraged friends of his, fellow pastors in Iowa, to, to get behind this crazy couple. But wait a minute, why, did he, why weren't people behind us at first? Because we were going to Medellin, Colombia in the year 1990. Do you guys know anything about history? That was yeah. a time of the most dangerous time of the nation. There were missionaries that were pulling out at that time. It was known as the kidnap capital, the drug capital, the murder capital yeah. <laughs> of the world. So our families go, well, you guys go kill yourselves, but leave the grandkids, right? <laughs> our uh. kids were the ages, our oldest was eight. And then we had a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a two-year-old going into this country that was like the most dangerous in the world, <laughs> supposedly. But that's kind of what we want to talk to you guys about, because uh, I, I really feel the Lord uses people who are, are not just, you know, followers, just uh, copy-paste, but he's looking, he put something in his people. When Christ goes in there, Christ was not just to sit back and take it lying down. He was... He was a rule, a rule breaker, and, um, and your church got behind us from day one. And I just want to say, pastors, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And to those, all of you guys are part of this. If there's anything good that happened up there, if there's one salvation, but we've had thousands, but it's because of you guys. Uh, just give yourself a hand, please. Uh, thank you for being with us, for being a part of this. Um, if you know anything about missions, it doesn't happen unless 
what you do. And, and I want to challenge, I want to just say something too, because we get a chance to see lots of different church expressions. And some churches are uh, afraid to preach the truth, if I can say it that way, when it comes to finances. You guys will continue to be blessed if you follow this couple like this. Because you can just tell that you're a, you're a fed up church. You're well fed. And because uh, and you're getting the truth, the word. Sometimes we just preach the part that's like, bless me. And, and, but when the part that really makes the difference is the part that costs you. And uh, Jesus says, give all you have. Take up your cross and follow me. And, and so uh, anyway, thank you, pastors. We love you so much. And uh, we're just really happy to be a part of this team. I wanted to share a, a verse in um, Luke chapter 8. Maybe it's not the typical verse that you start off sharing a little bit here this morning. Uh, but it's chapter 8, verse 1. And when you think of Jesus and his disciples, can you just imagine... What did that look like? You know, we see the pictures or in the movies, and it's the flowing robes and, and Jesus and his, these guys that are all well taken care of and stuff. But I'm reading here, and I'm, and I'm seeing a little different group. And, uh, and it says here that not long afterwards, Luke 8.1, not long afterwards, he, Jesus, began a tour of the cities and villages of Galilee to announce the coming of the kingdom of God. And he took his 12 disciples with him. Now, if I just stopped there, I'd be good. But it says, and some women went along with whom he had cast out demons uh, or, or whom he had healed. Among them were Mary Magdalene. Jesus had cast out seven demons from her. Anybody here had seven? No, no, don't, don't raise your hand. Um, Joanna, Chusa's wife. Chusa was King Herod's business manager. Susanna and many others who were uh, contributing from their personal finances to the support of Jesus and his disciples. Could you, would you agree with me that Jesus had a pretty crazy team? And um, today, Jesus needs kind of a crazy church. He needs not just people who just want to be proper and everybody think the best of them. He needs people who are willing to do whatever it takes to change the world. Do whatever it takes to really pull heaven down to Oakland, to Iowa, to the uttermost parts of the world. And, uh, and I, I'm, I really like what happened here this morning in the worship. I love it when music starts and some people come running down to the aisle because they just, they want, they know the anointing's a little stronger down here than the back. No. <laughs> but they want that. They're pulling on God. And that's, this is healthy. And you don't have to travel around the world or test out some of the churches just to prove me right. Uh, we get a, you guys have something really blessed here. You really, really are. And, uh, and I'm not just trying to be a brown-nosed pastor. Uh, I want to encourage these guys. There's, this is healthy. And heaven is, is going to continue to be poured out here. And so um, uh, anybody here born again? Hmm, okay. Born again spirit. You know, Jesus is your Savior. Uh, anybody here, uh, how, how do you handle your mind? Anybody is renewing their mind every day? The word is being preached forth this morning. Anybody here have a, have a Christian uh, flesh, Christian body? Like, oh, I wish, but <laughs> pastors taught us that. Nope. Nope, your flesh will 
never can get saved. That's why Paul said he had to buffet it, make it a slave, because your flesh will do unimaginable things if you let it. It'll, it'll be worse than your worst nightmare if you let it. And so in church here, we are we're learning to deal with those three parts of who we are, renewing our mind and figuring out how to keep our flesh where it's supposed to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. And, um, and so, so when we talk about here, uh, God wants to use you as you're developing, as you're growing, to be an influence, to be a leader. Who here feels like they're a leader right now? Like, look at her, like 6.5 hands that went up there. Uh, anybody have any friends? Uh-oh, a few didn't raise their hands. We're in trouble here. <laughs> if you have any friends, you have influence. If anybody work, you have influence. If you have neighbors, if you, if you just go to, you know, work at a restaurant or something, you have influence. And so uh, when it comes to leadership and the kind of leadership that God wants to do through you, um, a lot of times people say, well, when they want to be a better leader, they look what the other leaders, better leaders, hero leaders, what are they doing, and copy it and try to do it in their life. And although it's not a bad place to start, it's not the best way to do it because you might not have that person's abilities. You might not have that person's financial or, or training and stuff. So it's better to kind of go in how the leader thinks rather than what he does in the end result. And I, and I found something that was really interesting for me. I was reading one day, and it was something, even saying the word neuroscience. Don't even, uh, I'm, I'm just a, I'm an Iowa farm boy. Anybody here an Iowa farm boy? Come on, somebody. Um, even God can use us, right? I, I, there's a book out, Randy Clark's a man mightily used of God, but he came from a humble beginning, and he has a little pamphlet out, and it says, God can use little old me. And, uh, and it just showing it does not matter. Maybe even better if you didn't come from way up here. You came from more of a, a lower start because you're not going to try to, uh, you know, be too proud because you know where you started. But in neuroscience, it says that if you... Uh, there's something called neural paths. And if you think a thought enough, it creates kind of a, just like driving through the mud enough times, it creates a rut or a, a neural path in your mind. And so if you don't like the way your thoughts are leading you, you have to change your thoughts. You have to challenge the way you're thinking, the way you're speaking, the way you're directing your, your path. And... Um, and life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your thoughts are where everything happens. You can say, I love, but if your thoughts aren't love, that's where it's really going to give birth to non-loving things. Check this out. Mark Twain, uh, if you've ever heard of him, a great author, he said it this way, and he says it kind of like an Iowan. He goes, it ain't what you know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. You get that? It ain't what you know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. And, uh, man, we're, we're still pulling out of this whole pandemic thing. And if you want to have a fight, just start asking people, 
vaccination or no vaccination, masks or no masks, Democrats, Republicans, you know, blah, blah, blah. and we were just like time bombs ready to go off at any, and, and they're Christians or they're smart people. And um, it, it's what you know for sure that just ain't so. So I want to. It's so funny because we're going to a lot of different places, a lot of churches, and we've been out of this for a while. And we're going in, and in one church, it's so strong in one thing. And then we go to the next church, and it's so strong. It's like everybody knows. <laughs> and they're ready to fight. To, and not only between churches, within the family. I don't know if you guys have seen that. And that's the thing that Jerry and I were just talking the other day. It's like everybody's defending what they really believe this is the truth, and they're not working together for what we were created for, for the gospel. We were created to share the gospel in the nations or in our communities, and we're forgetting the, our main reason for being is to, to extend the kingdom of God, and we're so busy fighting for what we think is the most important thing, but the most important thing is Jesus, right? we got to get our focus on Jesus. <laughs> I like how Proverbs 3, 5 says it, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on something. I see you guys, don't lean on your own understanding. How do you do that? How do you, because we all kind of, without, you know, in all humbleness, how many are smart? We all feel like we're, we're not the, the dumbest kid on the block, right? And, uh, and so I'm smart. I have an understanding. But to lean on God more than that, that's where love, that's where forgiveness, that's where how I deal with my, my hurts, my challenges, my finances, my marriage, my everything. Because I have an opinion, just like Mark Twain, and it's what I know for sure that gets me into trouble a lot of times. So I just kind of wanted to no, hey, hey, hey. That's right. <laughs> you don't have to agree that much with me, honey. But, um, but in 1980, we were in, um, or 1989, we were in Winterset, Iowa. We were pastoring some young people. It was really cool. Uh, ran into Brian Yoder, and he reminded my wife, he goes, when I was five years old. In Iowa City. In, that Iowa, was in Iowa City. You led me in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, now he's got a boy even a little bit older than that. Uh, just so cool how God, but I want to, but the thing is, is I, I just want to sow the possibility that God has more for you. That this ain't all there is. You're not just in, hit, it, hit the cruise control and where you are, young or old, if you're, I love it with the these, these young giants back there in the back row up here in the front dancing and praising God. And, uh, and there's other gals here in the front. This is a true house of worship. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful expression of God. And I want to just encourage you guys to keep doing what you're doing. This part of Iowa is desperately in need for a fountain of life like this. And uh, so keep on, keep on. And, and, and I, you know, look at here how many years this church has been here and family. And uh, where, where can this church be in the next 50 years? And what's God, what's he dreaming about? Some of us won't be here 50 years from now, probably. I'll break some records if I am. <laughs> I'll be in the Guinness Book of Records. <laughs> but those guys will be. You know, they'll be the, the elders and the future pastors. And, and so let's get behind God and see, see our world 
shaken for the Lord. But we were just business people. She's an engineer, industrial engineer, and I was in a different types of sales and business. And the Lord starts knocking on our door about getting involved in ministry, helping out at the church. I was a children's pastor, and then we had enough children. It got a little older. We were youth pastors. Went to Winterset, started pastoring. But one day, the Lord spoke to us separately, just in our prayer time, about going to Columbia. And I remember sitting at that coffee table, and she starts crying a little bit. Like, what? No, you go first. No, you go first. And, uh, and we found out the Lord had been dealing with our hearts about leaving Good job, good pay, nice house. We just started buying nice pastures. Everything was nice. <laughs> and he said, I want, to, I want you guys, I need you, your heart, I, I, to do what you love doing, but do it somewhere where I need you more. But we always thought that we would be missionaries someday. But we thought it was when our children were all growing up so we could leave. And he was telling us now, and it's like, now? <laughs> With those little bitty children. But we really felt it was from God. And I think this is something really important because we had something that every one of us here has, the opportunity to have, is we had a very good time with God every single day. And that's something that, you know, some people say, oh, but they have a lot of money, or they came from an influential family. We didn't have either of those. But what we did have was a personal time with God every single day. And it's something that all of us can do because you wouldn't take a step of faith to go with those four little children to another country unless you knew it was God. And you wouldn't know it's God if you didn't have time with him, if you didn't know that he was telling you that. You have to have that assurance. And that assurance only comes with spending quality time with God every day. And it's something that we, all, we both worked. We knew what it was like to get out of the door by 6 o'clock in the morning to get to your work. But we were up every morning. He gets up still at 4 in the morning, and he lets me sleep in. I get up at 4.30 <laughs> so I can sleep in a little bit. But we know what it's like, but it's so worth it to continue to draw on the Word of God every single day and be renewed in your mind so you can think fresh and have time in meditation in the Word and in prayer. It's so important, and it's available to all of us. <laughs> I mean, it scares me to think we could have missed his call because we just had the blinders on and we're just running, running, running and got to make more and, and the problems that every day-to-day -day life is. But because of that, because of the prayer time and, it, and we prayed with our pastor and a, and a few other leaders at the church every single morning at 530 at that. And when God started to speak, we caught it. And he took us to Columbia. Everybody pretty much said, not at this stage of your life. You've got eight, five, three, and two-year-olds. Uh, and not Colombia, of, <laughs> of all places on the earth. It was kind of like the worst. But we look back now, and the pictures and the things that are happening, and it's like, if we hadn't done it then, this wouldn't have happened. In, in fact, it, it was better with kids than without kids in a lot of ways. Uh, we came in with a family in it. That we, could, we could go on that road and talk about a lot of different things that happened because of our kids being a part of it. But, um, but we went down there. We got involved with the church in Cali is where we started out because we knew the pastor there in that church. But we hadn't realized God is really calling us to a different city, Medellin. And so after a couple years, we, uh, the pastor, one of the pastors wanted to plant a church in Medellin. We felt we were to be a part of that church. And, uh, and so we went to visit the future 
our dream place, you know, where we really were sure God was wanting to have us go. And we drove to the city. We parked in front of this foundation. We, we had food, not food, but uh, money for food and clothing and stuff for because it was an orphanage. And as we're just getting ready to unpack, two young people come out of the house next door with guns in my gut, two pistols saying, give us the keys, give us the keys. And they drove off with everything we Our had. Our children were beside him. They had their hands up in Little, the air. <laughs> welcome to the promised land, Jerry and Barb. On the way there, we said, this is, we're going to the promised land. And it was, but then when we got there, you whoa, what kind of a promised land is this? You know, and it's kind of funny. Just like when we were going to leave the United States, you've got to know what God is telling you. And man in general said, don't go, not now for sure. But and God. I said, Don't, we're not going for sure. <laughs> After that, I said, this time we were robbed of our car and a lot, our credit cards and our money and our clothing and everything. But the next time, maybe they do something to our children. So I said, I'm not going back there. And then he wanted to pray. What's our next move? And he was go out and pray and fast. And he asked me to join him. And I'd say, no. I don't know how to pray. I don't think I can hear God because the last time, look what happened to us. So I thought, this can't be, I, I don't know how to hear God, so I'm not even going to pray. <laughs> Have you ever had that happen? <laughs> so I'm not even going to pray. Look what happened last time. But God just sent so many things to convince me and just miracles. And finally, I got to a point and said, yep, I'll go. But really, that place was our promised land. It was the place where we were able to see more fruit than we had ever seen anywhere else. I mean, when you get 20,000 people saying the prayer of the salvation at the same time, <laughs> that was something that's it's not for us. It's for the glory of him. So, <laughs> so it's crazy when you would think, well, that must be a shut door. Uh, we're not supposed to go there. You gotta, there's a book on intercession. I'm not sure who the author is, Pastor, but, but it's saying that you have to know whether it's the hand of the enemy blocking you or the hand of God blocking you. And some people just, anytime they hit a wall, they go, I guess that was God. He doesn't want me to go there. And the enemy's saying, yes, I stopped them from going into their call there for God. So uh, sometimes you just got to be rebellious. You got to be <laughs> gutsy. You got to be a cocky bull pushing down and, and pushing through alone if, it, if you have to. Because when you know here that God is pushing you towards something. You have a peace to keep on going for it. We didn't want to get our kids killed. We didn't want to risk lives, but we knew God was calling us back there. And after we got back, we started out with three young people, and then we got up to about... Just to say a little word, we did have communication with our pastors here, and mm. they said... Oh, yes. They, we didn't just go out and be totally rebellious. It was like rebellious in a way, but we Council. also sought counsel. It's very important to seek counsel because you can get in trouble if you just go, God told me, in fact, one of the things we've said when we're counseling young people, they'll tell me, God told me to do this. And we go, okay, that means I don't have any say. I can't give you any counsel. I mean, we've been around a while. We might give you some counsel, but we can't counsel you because you said God said so. What we do when we talk to our leaders, our pastors, we say, we feel that God is calling us to do this. What do you think? And we allow the pastors to talk into our lives. I think that's very important that we allow others to speak into our lives because by the multitude of counsel. And maybe in that time, we had some counsel that told us, you're being rebellious. That's why you were robbed. And, and you, as soon as you repent, you're going to get your car back. We had some of that. But we also had other counsel that says, no, we feel that you need to just go back to where you're at and 
start, go back to where you knew it was God's will and start going that way again. And we did that, but it's important to get the counsel. And everyone said, amen, <laughs> Pastor. <laughs> well, anyway, we went back to that city and we started with three and we got the 50 young people and we broke a 100 finally. It was a real big deal. And then God just started blowing on it. And we broke 500, we broke 1,000, we got up to about 1,400 uh, young people in this church, of a, and it grew to around 3,000, uh, 3,500 people. But it was just, a, it was just a, we could have missed all that God wanted to do in us. I feel like I'm on the front row watching God do this, but I could have stayed in Iowa with my safe place, my, my for sure thing, my boring thing. But for me, God had something different planned for me. And uh, I just want to challenge you guys. Are you, is there anything God has asked you to do, told, asked you, nudged you, put in your heart to try that you haven't done yet? Because you could be missing the greatest adventure that ever you could possibly imagine. But it's important to say that it's not that everybody's called to go to the nations, but maybe he's calling you to go to your workplace to share the gospel, to step out of your comfort mm. zone and share the gospel with people that haven't heard it, or even to speak up when you hear everybody talking something that you go, whoa, I can't believe they're saying that. To be able to speak up and bring truth and life wherever you are at, with your family members, with people, with your neighbors, just to speak out. Is God calling you to take steps of faith and be a little bit more courageous and go against the flow? <laughs> it's, sometimes we have to go against the flow a little bit. So in the middle of what would be more of a church thing, the youth group, God starts putting our, on our heart to do more things with the city and do things with other countries. And uh, two of my, three of my kids ended up going to Christ for the Nations in Dallas. And then I went there once and I'm going, hey, they can't all come here. Uh, what happened in their life was radical. Uh, Christ for the Nations, Rama, they're real similar schools. And... Uh, God, I was in the back row. Uh, there was about 2,000 young people there, and I was in the back row. We were in a praise time, and God said, look up, and all the hands and tears were crying, and he said to my heart, help me do this in Columbia. And uh, I'm thinking, Iowa farm boy, not much money. This is incredible here. Um, but I said, I'm, I'm your man. If you, if you want me to do something, I'll, I'll try. We talked to the leaders. They... After we prayed and stuff, they, they felt, let's give it a shot. And now here, 12 years later, uh, we've had over 1,000 graduates, like we mentioned. They've, there's missionaries and pastors and foundations and stuff, but there's also business people and, and worship leaders and a lot of different uh, types of vocations that have come out of there. And the Lord, I mean, we were just like, as missionaries, our, our funding as missionaries has just been what we need has come on, has come in. And so we came to a place where we needed to buy the building. And uh, it was like in November. It was like in October. And I just want to share this one part. A person said that they would give us the fix-up money once the building was paid for. And I'm like, yeah, sure. For us, it was, uh, it was around uh, $400,000 that we needed to... 400, yeah, somewhere yeah, around more. $500,000 $500, <laughs> to buy the building, which is about half off of what it really was uh, listed at. And uh, a person said, well, when you get it paid for, I'll pay $100,000 to fix it up. That's, and that was low, actually. And so we go, okay. 
But our faith just jumped. And God was in it. And all of a sudden, we just said it, mentioned it to partners. And this church, along with other churches, started sending extra donations. And we paid off the building in two months. I'm like, how come it never rains like this when I, you know, just normally? But the, we paid off the building. The other guy gave his fix-up money. And within four months, we were having classes in the new facility. I mean, that's God. That's, that's our Lord. When he gives it to you, it gives you the dream. You follow him, and the rest will, will fall in place. And so we started doing uh, Christ for the Nations, and then we started also another ministry called Youth Solutions, where it's traveling to other cities. Other, um, our son was really in front of all that. He'd be in front of massive groups of people and, and hosting leaders and bands. And so it's been a fun, fun adventure. Up to, right now, our, um, our, pretty much our whole family's involved in what we're doing. Now we, we have uh, all four kids are living in, well, Bryce is in El Paso, Texas. That's almost Latin America. It's right across the line from Juarez, Mexico. But, um, but he's married to a, a Mexican woman. They have one daughter. Our other son has married a girl from Cali. They have three daughters. Our, other, our daughter married a man who was born in Mexico, raised in states and different places. But uh, they have one child. And, I, and my oldest son married an American. Go figure that. You know, <laughs> and they're living with us. They actually run the cafeteria and the other areas of, uh, they have uh, kind of a restaurant. And, and all four children are in the ministry today. Mm -hmm. We have one that's doing more social work where they're helping to feed and to help um, provide housing for people, helping people with businesses so that they can provide housing for them that lived on the streets before. And then we have another son that's in front of, well, he's an adult pastor of a 20,000-member church. <laughs> we have our other son, who's Bryce, who's doing a lot of ministry conferences, Christian leadership conferences. And then our daughter married a pastor, and so they're pastoring a church, and she's helping out with Christ for the Nations. And so it's, it's really beautiful. Everybody's so worried about our four kids, and they grew up. Nobody killed them or kidnapped them. <laughs> And now they're all in the ministry. So we just give glory to God for that. We're so thankful. Yeah. And, and again, thank you for being a part of this dream. But if, you, if you're feeling like, I don't know, without raising your hand, but are there any kind of rebellious people? You're, you kind of feel, I'm the stubborn one Jerry's talking about. I, I, can, I can be pretty <laughs> stubborn at times. You're the kind of person God can use because you're not afraid to walk alone. You're not afraid if nobody goes with me? Well, I'll just do it myself because I'm going to obey God. And you're not alone. I've, I just, there's tons of them in the Bible, but not all of them are, have that stubbornness. But I'm just looking at Noah. If you just know his story, he was a lone ranger there. He had to, against everybody, and it had never even rained. I mean, go figure. What, how, how do you explain what you're doing? Joseph, think of his story for a little bit. Because remember, there was a mandate that they couldn't pray. They had to pray. Uh, they couldn't pray to any other god but the leader of the country. And what did he do? He went right in front of Daniel. Him. Oh, Daniel, I'm sorry. And he went right in front of a window to pray. <laughs> right in front of everybody, showing everybody, I'm going to pray. You can't make me stop praying. That's a little rebellious, I think. <laughs> Esther, think of her story for a little bit. You guys are church people. You know the stories. But think of that aspect of being stubborn. And do I take a risk and lose it all or possibly get killed with my people? Uh, anybody know Hezekiah's story? 
I love that one because it's that we're outnumbered feeling. There's no way we're going to make it because there's hundred, you know, tons of people there and we have a little bunch. And he goes to bed, believing God. And while he slept, I like those kind of battles. While you sleep, God kills 185,000 soldiers and they wake up and it's just a, a lake of blood out there. I, want, I serve a God who's more than just my little, my ability to fight. And I had Paul down here, but the biggest, the stubbornest, the most rebellious of all is Jesus. It was everybody against him. And uh, even some of his closest friends, you know, tucked tail and, and, and left at the time when it was most crucial. And so um, I just wanted it. We just kind of felt um, our story is is to kind of stir up uh, and to get, get in your face about not just warming a, a church pew, uh, but where, what's God called you to do? What's the irrevocable gift, the call of God that's inside of you that, or the part that hasn't been fulfilled yet? Uh, just being here was a big step probably for some of you. Like, like I was the first Christian. Anybody here the first Christian in your family? Some of you, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was like our family has a Catholic background, and, uh, and we went to the Catholic priest and said, would you help do a dual marriage, kind of a half and half? And he goes, nope. And if you don't promise to raise your kids Catholic, I won't even be a part of it. You know, it's kind of a thing, well, okay, good. And so we told our family that that's what he said. We tried. And dad <laughs> says, well, I'm not buying the keg of beer for your wedding. And, and, uh, and it was just, it was resistance, resistance. But today, all of our family... He's the oldest of nine, so they're all are Christians. Well, there's pastors in our family. They're living in different parts of the world. There's leaders in their churches in different parts. Their children are now pastoring or, or big, important leaders in their churches. So but you kind of had to be stubborn. <laughs> kind of have to be courageous and just rebellious and stick your nose out there. But I just want to leave you with a verse that, or one or two here, one says, in Proverbs 28, one, it says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Um, you know, being nice is one thing, and being humble is nice, and all those other words that sometimes church people get tagged. But Fitting in, if trying you, to fit in with If you've ever else. been to a zoo and watched a lion, or maybe more on YouTube or TV, they are not just little little humble pies when they are bold. And, and I love this last one here in Acts chapter 14, 4, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Uh, and they marveled and they took knowledge of them and that they had been with Jesus. I can, I have felt at times uh, unlearned and and ignorant. I've had the privilege of, in Colombia, of walking down the equivalent of their White House in the hallway with senators and just kind of walking down the hallway and, and I'm like, they don't know who I am. <laughs> they, they don't realize where I'm from, you know, and I'm with the, the top powers of the nation or on a stadium, in the stadium when we had 25,000 young people there and, and the mayor and different people. And I feel like Dorothy from you know, Kansas, uh, uh, just feel like, what am I doing here? But it was so awesome 
that God would actually allow me to be a part of something like that, so much more than my start. And, uh, and God wants to do more with all of us. He wants to put you in front of kings and put you in front of leaders. Uh, he wants to scare you in a good way and, and say, that had to be God. I couldn't have done that without him. One of and the so, things that God has shown me is that um, you've all read maybe Hebrews chapter 11, which is the heroes of the faith. And we read about them. But at the end of chapter 11, it says, but they really didn't see the results of everything they had done. And why not? Because they were waiting for us. Mm. We all have a part. In Ephesians 1, it says, you were chosen before the creation of the world. God knew you, and he chose you since before the creation of the world. Everybody says, I am chosen. I am chosen. So we all have a part of this. So those heroes of the faith were waiting for us to do our part. And sometimes when we're in Colombia, we think, oh, this is so hard. I can't believe we have to do this. And we think that we're doing such a big thing. And then I look, oh, here's this, here's this pastor in China that is get, risking his life and his children's life for the gospel. Here are these missionaries that are in North Korea, people taking Bibles into North Korea. And I go, okay, what I'm doing is just a little part of the big picture of what Christ is doing. But all of us have a part. And one of the things I, I thought is like he has this tapestry of love through the generations. And he has all these threads going through that tapestry. And each of us has our own little part. It may seem like, oh, this is just a little thing that I'm doing when I'm reaching out to my neighbor or to my family. But every part of it is a part of his tapestry of love that goes through the generations that he wants to use each one of us to bring his kingdom to earth. And so that's, that's kind of one of the revelations I've had. And each of us has a part of that. Hey, we just, uh, can we pray for you guys today? Can we just stand for your feet? And someone taught me in my first, my first pastor taught me something. Um, whenever you hear a word, whether it's a video or, or your pastor sharing with you, but the first question to ask is, what's my next step from this? Because God has the next step. If he was here at all today for you, uh, he has a, it might be go to somebody and, and, ask for forgiveness or, or it might be to start in a direction that you've been uh, denying that he wanted you to do. Um, but I especially wanted to just uh, ask your question and I want to pray specifically for if this person, if, if I'm hearing this right. But if there's someone here that really, maybe you're sitting there where we were at Montrose's in in winter set and we sense God talking to our heart to do something nobody else knew about it but we knew about it and we were broken there were tears and we were scared to think of giving up something in order to obey him and we're thinking all these thoughts about well what are our kids and is it safe and and I don't know I mean all you see is a doorway you don't even and can only imagine what I could look on the other side but but we we're at a place there where we took a step in the next step. And if you're, if you feel like maybe you've been there and you are still there, because I believe God's gifts and callings are irrevocable. I believe that. And he still has, he doesn't change his mind. He's, he wants you to do awesome things. He wants to do things through you. So can you just close your eyes for a second? I just want to see, so I want you to hear that it feels, yeah, you're talking about me, Jerry. Yeah, I thought so. Anybody else? Yeah, okay. All right. 
awesome. Well, let me just pray for you guys, especially. And the rest of you, if you're not, um, maybe tomorrow you will be. <laughs> and, and I want to pray for courage. I want to pray that you be the gutsiest, most rebellious, stubborn, world-changing, be it like Jason it says, they're turning the whole world upside down. I want that part of Christ in you to wake up and, and be more and be active. But Father, we just thank you for these guys right now, the ones that are at that doorway. And um, let them know. They don't have to know the other side. All they have to know is you. And they just I just pray that they cling to you like never before. They pray like never before. They seek God and seek uh, spiritual counsel like never before that they have the courage at the right time to share their dreams with, with their pastors, with their leaders, and be guided to their dreams, your dreams for them. Uh, thank you, Lord. The world doesn't have anything to offer compared to your dreams. And we just thank you, Father, that where you guide, you're going to uh, guide every part, provide for every part, have the, 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 the answers waiting on the other side, and the most safest place to be in the world is in the middle of your will, the middle of your will for our lives. So thank you, Lord. I, I, I sense there's going to be neighbors this week that are going to just hear your story. It says in Revelations that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And, I, and your story, not some fancy big star story, your story is powerful if you tell it to a neighbor, tell it to an unsaved loved one, tell it to your enemy. God wants to use you just the way you are to touch other lives. Let him, let him be glorified through your life today and or wherever he leads you. We just thank you, Father, for the courage from you, enabling us to do what you call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Praise God. Amen. Well, you may be seated. God bless you. I'm uh, sitting there thinking, you know, I'm reasonably sure that most people sitting in your seats are uncomfortable right now. And that's why they came, to challenge you. You know, we need to be challenged. And, that, and you know, you always hurt, well, I don't want to give my heart to God. I mean, if I give my heart to God, I'll make a missionary out of me and I'll end up someplace and God only knows where. Well... <clears throat> You know, wherever God guides, He always provides. Amen. And it isn't maybe that you're going to end up being a, a missionary within the next four months, although it could. But you know, sometimes, I mean, just like what Jerry and Barb were talking about in our everyday lives, you know, you say, well, how can I be more rebellious in, in, in a proper context? And I was immediately, you know, reminded of this. This is happening. This is so prevalent within the body of Christ, you know, where you hear people that are making these statements like, well, you know, you don't have to go to church all the time to be a good Christian. Well, you know, what is it that's inherent in, in, in making that? It's a defense statement, you know. In other words, I want you to come down with me and, and not participate, not engage, not serve, not be faithful because I can tell you, you know, the reality is, is that we all have reasons, you know, that we're, you know, we have things that are going on in our lives and, you know, we're not, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, we won't always be in church. But I tell you what, there's, there's Christians, bless their heart, praise God, there is no reason for them not to be in church. I go over here. There really isn't, you know, and so you can be that person and say, dude, how, how, how do you live this way? You know, you need to be engaged in the body life of some church. Is there something underlying that drives this kind of thinking to where uh, there's a lack of participation? You understand that concept? So you can be those people. You can let the Lord let you serve as a catalyst to, to tell them, say, hey, man, I don't, I don't know why you think the way you do, but that ain't right. And you know that thing that you were talking about as far as those youth ministers or being involved in youth? You need to do it. Amen. Talk to that guy. He'll help you. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Isn't it good? Listen, we're going to receive a morning offering. We already did that. I'm sorry. We're going to receive a special offering. Would you like to, would you like to participate in a special offering? Huh? A, a, a really special offering. I was, talk, I, I was downstairs praying this morning and I came up, you know, I was getting ready and I told Joan, I said, you know, I don't know, man. I just, I have this sense that, that God really wants us to do something very special for, for Jerry and Barb. And, uh, you know, my wife is, I mean, whenever it comes to these things, she's like, I'm in, I'm in. You know, whatever you got going on, I'm in. Hallelujah. When we were there in Columbia, they had a building for their school and um, it was no frills, okay? Not to mention the fact that you could go a block, was it a block or two blocks, where all the gals were uh, waiting to get paid. And, and you know, I'm a farm boy from Iowa and this is, I'm, I'm way out of my element. And I'm just thinking, we ain't supposed to have no Bible school next to where the prostitutes, you know, live, but that's what they were doing. And these kids would come there, and I mean, you know, it's just an amazing thing. And so when this, when this property became available for this, because we just told them, we said, man, dude, you got to get out of here, you know. Well, okay, but how does that work and all this? And didn't you have to go to prison and talk to that guy that owned it? The guy who owned the building that they're in now was part of the cartel or something? He was in part of a massacre. Oh, he killed a bunch of people because they wouldn't vote for him. So he's in the prison and Jerry goes and talks to him and says, I want to buy your building. Man, I'm telling you what, that's rebellious, man. And so he told him, well, he says, my son or somebody like that's the one that's in charge of all that and you're going to have to talk to him. And uh, so they got this building. And they didn't say anything about this, but one of the things that they've been challenged with for about the last year and a half or so, and I may not have that quite right, is their accreditation on the school. And, and the government has not been helpful in, in that regard. As a matter of fact, we're gonna pray for them as a congregation. We're gonna ask the Lord for breakthrough, supernatural breakthrough. I mean, I believe that in this house with these people right here, that there's faith for God to move supernaturally and get that rock mountain moved, okay? But, but I wanna do this other thing for them because, and they never mentioned this to you, but obviously with COVID and different things, it's impacted everyone and it has impacted them in a financial kind of way. And I tell you what, praise God, I believe we ought to be in the church to help them 
catch up and get ahead. Everybody say catch up and get ahead. How many of you want to be a part of catching up and getting ahead? Amen. You could be the catalyst for that to happen. And so this is what I want to challenge you with. Um, I, I had some reservation about talking about this, but I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to throw caution to the wind. Whatever happens, happens. I don't want you to be offended, but if you are, then uh, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll apologize in advance, but I'd love to be able to give this couple $10,000 this morning. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Praise the Lord. And you say, well, is that possible? Well, you know, last time I read in the Bible, the Bible says all things are possible to him that what? Believes. So if you had 10 people that were willing to give $1,000, you'd have it. Isn't that right? If you had 20 people to give 500 or, you know, you do the math. But, and, and I just believe, praise God, that we ought to do something special for them. Now, if that's not your persuasion, I, I totally get that. You say, well, I can't give them no $500. I can't give them $1,000. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to just look to your own heart and look to the Lord and say, God, what can I do for this couple 31 years ago that decided to sell everything and take off? It reminds you know, when you got robbed and uh, I, Gary and Connie Crow, which will be with us next month, they, they went to be missionaries in Haiti. And when they got to Florida, they had a U-Haul that they had pulled down there of all their earthly possessions that they were going to be taking with them. And the night before they were supposed to leave, somebody jacked that U-Haul and took it and stole everything that they owned to try to get them not to obey God. So thank God people like them and others have said, I don't care, I'm still going. And so I want you to just consider with me uh, this possibility of being able to be a huge blessing to this couple this morning. And I, I know you've already given in your regular offering. I get that. And, and I understand that. So I'm not asking you anything uh, to do something that you can't do. Uh, sometimes the Lord might ask you to do something you can't do, you know. But I remember when I was first getting started, the Lord asked me to put $150 in an offering when Kenneth Copeland was in Omaha, Nebraska which left my bank account with $6.58. Now I'd like to tell you, or be able to tell you that when I did that, the next day, somebody backed up with a dump truck to my house and it was full of money and they just, you know, pulled the lever and the thing went and I, you know, had all kinds of money. No, I still had a $6.58. But what did happen in that, that I don't have time to talk with you about, is that in the privacy of my own devotional life, the Lord came and visited me and gave me a revelation about finances and money and changed my life forever. So sometimes, you know, when you sow this, <clears throat> typically it will come back in like manner, but sometimes it'll come back even in something greater than what it is that you're sowing. So I wanna encourage you this morning to help us with this. My wife and I, we're gonna give uh, we're going to, and again, I'm, I'm hesitant, but I'm going to, you know, somebody's got to kind of lead the way. I'm not, I'm not saying this to you to say, look what we're doing. I'm just saying that I want to give you an example. You know, I'm not asking you to do something I wouldn't do. Philip 
my brother-in-law is going to give a thousand. Well, that's what my wife and I were going to do. We're going to give a thousand. So now we're down to eight. So the rest of you, you know, another thousand. Okay, we're down to seven. This is going to come pretty easy. Praise the Lord. Amen. You say, well, no, <laughs> you ain't getting up there. I'm not asking you to do that. These two people volunteered to do that. These two couples. And that's great. But you know, the other 7,000, I believe that we as a church, you'll give a thousand. Dave, God bless you, man. Pour some concrete, will you? Glory to God. Amen. So now we're down to six. And, and again, I don't, I don't want to, you know, uh, belabor this, but um, we're going to bless them so that they can go back and do what it is that God wants them to do. Amen. Now, you know, whether we do this or not, they're going to survive. They've already proved that. Uh, but uh, this will be an opportunity. So the ushers, if you'd just come, please. They have an envelope if you, uh, and you can give, uh, you can text to give. I mean, it's, uh, where's Gala? Gala? Huh? But doesn't she have a, is there something you could text into? Just don't worry about it. We'll get the timeline to make sure. Okay. Yeah. You can just text to give, um, and that'll work out just fine. Um, you can do the myfc.info if you're wanting to do it online. Make your checks to Fellowship Church. And, um, yeah, and of course, if you're using cash. You don't have a specific tag that you want them to text that money for, do you? Okay, all right. You know, sometimes with this online and texting to give, uh, we have to kind of look and see what, what it is that we can uh, make sure that things are going where they need to go. But this will work out all right. So does anybody need an envelope, didn't get one? Okay. Hallelujah. And I appreciate your generosity. What, you know, maybe it's, it's 50 bucks, you know, or 25 or whatever, but that was your stretch. And if that was your stretch, then hallelujah, you know. Uh, it isn't, um, it certainly isn't about, well, I did this and I did that. That has nothing to do with it. What I want to do is obey the Holy Ghost and be a blessing to this couple. Does that make sense to you? Please know my heart, you know, I mean, when, when we're doing this. And uh, I believe that God will bless whatever it is that you sow as a seed into this couple's life for their future and for whatever it is that God wants them to do. So you just obey God and, and uh, we'll let him do the rest. Hold your offering up toward heaven. Father, we just thank you today for this privilege to partner together, Father, with uh, Jerry and Barb. I thank you, Lord God, for their lives, which they've laid down to accomplish great things. And Father God, not only that, but even as a church, we've done the same. And you've planted us in this field, Father God, for purposes just like this. And so Father God, I wanna thank you for your grace upon every one of us, upon our lives, upon those things, Father God, that you have spoken to us. And I just thank you, Father, that in these days, the weeks, the months ahead, that Father God, we will impact this world in which we live with you for your kingdom. And I thank you, Father, for your grace upon all those that are participating, Father, in this gift today. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. All right, fellas, if you'd pass the buckets, that would be terrific. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. How many are you glad you came to church today? Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. And we'll give you a report uh, next week. And uh, 
And if it's more than 10,000, then we'll just shout a little bit more. Hallelujah. Amen. Would that be all right with you? Come on. Glory to God. Amen. You say, well, I ain't never been to no church where they take up a $10,000 offering. Well, you have now. I just believe, praise God, that we'll get that and maybe even a little bit more than that. Praise God. Amen. All right, let's all stand. Jerry and Barb, if you would come and stand right here. Joan, join me. Brian and Rachel, if you'd come, we're going to pray for this couple. If you'd just stand right here, please. Praise God. Hallelujah. This way. Yeah, there you go. Y'all stretch your hands out toward them. Father, we love you so much. And God, we thank you, Father God, for their faithfulness to do what you've called them to do. Yes. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Father, we come into an agreement. You said in your word that where two or more agree on earth, touching anything they ask, that it shall be done of our Father which is in heaven. Father, I'm asking you to break this barrier and wall right now. Break this thing down in the name of Jesus. Every wayward, every in the name that is above every name, you come down in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for favor and grace upon their life, Father God, so that those <laughs> that are in authority can see the good of that which is being done. And Father God, I thank you, Father, that that will bring about their desired end. And Father God, we give you the glory and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, praise God. And everybody agreed with that said? Amen, 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 amen. Praise God, enough about all this, amen. You may be seated. I'm sorry. One more thing. If you're interested in what it is Jerry and Barb are doing on a month-to-month basis, I don't know, if you do it every month, do you send a, a newsletter quarterly? Sometime, once in a while, they send out a newsletter. And just to, the, to, uh, just to the right of guest services, there's a high top table. And if you'd like, you're welcome to put your email address there. And they would just send you information regarding what it is that they're doing and let you know, you know, just kind of an update if you wanna do that. And if you want to partner with them, this would be good ground. We've been after, we've been doing it for uh, 30 some years and I guess there's no use start, stopping now. And uh, you know, whether you realize, whether you realize it or not, you guys, we are impacting, I mean, places all over the world. I seen Patty and James, well, we did, when we were down in Branson this week and she was so appreciative of the 10,000 that we had given to her because when they got into to, to, uh, uh, redoing the underside of that boat, I mean, there was all kinds of places that had to be cut out and, and new pieces put in. There was a thruster in the, in the, is that called the bow? Yeah, up in the front um, that they had to close off or seal up because it was in such poor condition. But that thruster helped them to turn the boat left, right, and you know, I don't know nothing about all that. But they got that fixed. But she told me she was so appreciative because it cost them over $100,000 uh, to do the underside of that boat. And that it would be good for eight years. And then they'd have to bring it back in and dry dock it again. And you know, just, it's just maintenance, you know. But you guys were a part of that. And that's why it's so important for you to know that. We've got another couple that are just coming off the mission field out of Guatemala. 
and uh, <clears throat> they're going to spend the remainder of their days here in the United States because they're 85 and 87 years old, Dick and Sharon Mueller. They did the same thing. This guy was a farmer in the middle of Iowa, and he picked up everything and ended up in a third world country and turned the place upside down. And they had a lot of battles. You know, we all face battles, huh? But I tell you what, praise God, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Isn't that right? You say, well, what kind of battle do I have? Sometimes, you know, you got battles with your family. You got battles with your kids. You got all kinds of things that you're dealing with. How many of you know God knows all about those things? And he's for you. And he's on your side. And he's with you. And thank God he wants to help you. So stay the course. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep on keeping on. A guy could preach for a long time here, and you guys would get really hungry. Hallelujah. But I tell you what, God's, God's working in our midst. Amen? Y'all ready for a good report next week? See, you've got to come back to church. I'll shut the TV off. I won't tell you. And I'll just tell the ones that come what it is that happened. How would that be? Now nah, I won't do that. Praise the Lord. Let's everybody stand. Jerry and Barb, thank you for sharing your heart with us this morning. Appreciate you guys much. And uh, I tell you, have a blast this week. Amen. What, 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 what Sunday night is it that we pray? Huh? The 26th. Mark that on your calendar, 6 o'clock. We're all going to come to pray for the nation and for the church and uh, be a part of that. 24th, okay? So Aaron would change. He would straighten that all out, right? Amen. All right. Well, listen, greet those around you. Let them know that you're glad they came and you can be dismissed. God bless you.